Hey guys, and welcome to today's episode of Candidly Crew. I'm your host, Chesley White. And I'm Marina Register. How's it going, Marina? Going great. I think you have some big news to share with everyone. I have a giant rock on my finger now because I'm engaged. That's awesome. Yes. Congrats. So, thank you. So Haven't... tell us quickly how it happened. Oh, yeah. So uh, it's supposed to be a girl's night. I kept reminding him too. Like, Alex, I have a girl's night on Saturday, so feel free to plan something else. He's like, yeah, of course, we'll. And then turns out he had already talked to my best friends and commissioned them into doing a, a scavenger hunt with me. So once I realized what it was, once I realized it was a scavenger hunt and not a girl's night, then I was really on board, <laughs> really excited. It's fun. I got to spend time with my best friends. And then they dropped me off in a rose garden and he Aww, proposed. So he did a really, that's really good amazing. job. So it was fun. We got to watch the sunset over the Furman Lake Aww. and brought wine. So now I have a cool good wine job, bottle. Alex. I have to figure out what to do with. What do you do with wine bottles like that you want to keep, like commemorate? Uh, I'm not the best on that. I mean, we have them saved in a cabinet, but we have I want to get, yep. you can get like a glass cutter on Amazon for like 10, 20 bucks. And make cups out of them? Yes. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay. Okay. Um, if you do that, let me know. I will. And then I'll come over and I'll cut all of your wine Okay. Glasses. Yeah. I would let you. Well, I'd probably ask if you had any wine bottles we could practice on so that I um, wouldn't accidentally cut that's, that's a very easy thing to create. We just buy some <laughs> wine and drink it. Uh, okay, cool. Cool. That sounds good. So when's the big day? Uh, January 20th. Okay. It'll be a very small day. Okay. I want a very small, small day. Okay, cool. Well, good. Well, congrats. I'm very happy for you. That's Thank awesome. You. I'm very happy for me too. Yeah, well, good. Well, today we have an amazing episode for you guys. Um, we are talking with Casey Jackson, who is Senior Director at Cushman Wakefield. And Casey is just, oh my gosh, a wealth of knowledge about industrial commercial real estate. What do you think of the show? I loved talking with Casey. She's so, so fun. She's so fun. And she's got great perspective, I think, coming from the brokerage background and really talked about finding a team and really becoming an expert in your field. And I just think it's fun to talk to someone that knows what they're doing and sees himself doing it in the future. Yes. And it was really cool to hear that she had no commercial real estate experience going into this. I mean, she was doing something else completely and then changed paths. And now she's has the expertise that she does. So it's, it's pretty awesome. So anyway, we hope you guys enjoy this episode and let's bring her in. Sounds good. All right, Casey. Well, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. We're thanks excited for me. To, to chat with you about your career in an industrial commercial real estate and just kind of hear your story. Um, so why don't we start from the beginning? Um, how did you get started? Sure. Um, I started my career doing business development for a geotechnical environmental firm in Charlotte right out of school. I was actually hired by my old neighbor who was also my Sunday school teacher and grew up just outside of Winston-Salem. We were, he lived a few doors down. He moved to Charlotte, started this branch office for this engineering firm. Then I went to college and graduated and was kind of worried about what am I going to do for work? And out of the blue, I get this email and he's like, Hey, aren't you graduating this year? Aren't you in marketing? Do you want a job? And I was like, <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> so moved to Charlotte um, fantastic company to start working with. They're called ECS. They're, um, yeah. you know, sponsors of crew kind of up and down the the coast. They've got yeah. um, many, many offices. So anyways, started my career there. They opened a Charleston office in 2009. And I was like, hey, can I move to Charleston? Moved to Charleston in 09. The economy fell off a cliff. <laughs> it was a startup office. I was an overhead person. And so then they said, um, well, we can't keep you in Charleston. But if you want to move to Greenville, move to Greenville. So I did not want to be looking for a job. And the midst of the recession. So I moved to Greenville, met my husband the second I moved here, kept doing business development, and then just decided I was kind of ready to make a change and see what else I could do. And I started talking to Brian Young, who's now my partner, just letting a couple of industry folks know that I was looking to make a change. And he sort of said, well, what about commercial real estate? And I said, what about commercial real estate? So mm -hmm. here I am. That's awesome. <laughs> How did you meet Brian? He was a client, just somebody I was calling on. Really? So okay. some of those, um, some of that skill set you know, back in the recession, the counties and the economic development circles, those were kind of the only folks that really had work and projects. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of where I started my network, meeting contractors, attorneys, um, brokers, architects. Yeah. Um, and it just really translated well and, yeah. and sort of helped me kind of pivot into real estate. That's which, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I mean, that's a completely different industry. Were you like fearful of like, 
getting into something new or like how did what was that transition like I, I was I was just I had I really had no idea what I was getting into I've never had like a pension for real estate or a passion for development like many people who are in it mm-hmm. do um, I was just excited to kind of have the opportunity to be the one running the projects running the deals and um Luckily, I think part of the reason why there are not more women in commercial real estate is we tend to be risk adverse just mm-hmm. as women. We want to be safe. We want to be secure. And so usually women don't go right into it unless you go to school for it and you have your parents kind of helping you along or you just have almost no bills. You know, when you graduate, sure, it's a little more daunting to kind of switch into a commission only role once you've been an established professional for a little while. Right. But fortunately, I was married So my husband was kind of like, if you want to do this, like, I support you. You've got it. And um, I think I just hit it at the absolute perfect time to get into real estate back in 2013. And it's just been up, up, up since then. Yeah, for sure. Was it hard as you were switching from like Charlotte, then to Charleston, then to Greenville? Like, how were you building relationships in those cities? Like, where did you find that? niche. Yeah. So, I mean, that was my job as business development was to form relationships. And then especially when I was in Charlotte and Charleston, um, I was single. So I had nothing but time to mm-hmm. take people to lunch and try to go to happy hour and just kind of hit, you know, all of the, all the networking groups that I could to try to, you know, forge those relationships. And I always kind of say, I'm, the, I'm literally just a classic Carolina girl. I grew up near Winston-Salem. I went to college in Raleigh. I went to NC State. I worked in Charlotte moved to Charleston and I used to cover Columbia from Charleston. And then when I moved to Greenville, I actually covered Asheville a little bit. So if you want to, granted, this was over 10 years ago. I'm sure some of my spots have changed, but I used to be a pretty good resource if you were going anywhere in the Carolinas for for fun. Yeah. That's kind of fun. So how did industrial happen within the commercial real estate sector? Was that just Brian's expertise? It or? was, okay. yeah. So he, and then we have a third partner, Elliot Fasu. Um, they had been working together for about a year. And Brian actually started, we were, before we were Cushman and Wakefield, we were Cushman and Wakefield Tallheimer, an alliance office. So Brian actually came over um, from CBRE and started the Cushman and Wakefield Tallheimer office from a manager perspective. But he was also an industrial broker. He and Elliot were partners and they had capacity to take on a third and that would be probably be one of my biggest pieces of advice for anybody who wanted to get into um, commercial real estate, especially on more of the corporate platform, is mm-hmm. get on a team, have a partner, have somebody who's going to really let you work, just step in step with them for at least the first year. Um, and and I, I think that's part of the reason why I've been able to be successful is learning, you know, hand in hand with somebody who's a seasoned professional and then... Um, just kind of getting to take off on my own after that. Yeah, that's, I mean, it makes sense, right? You'd have that connection, the team, the training. Is that what also keeps you in industrial or are there other things about industrial that really excite you that keep you there? It's it's all I've known. And they've kind of always said, you know, if you're going to be, you know, successful in commercial real estate, you have to specialize. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, clients are getting more sophisticated and they want somebody who kind of lives it and breathes it every day. And, you know, fortunately, the previous network that I kind of just mentioned, the economic development circle, the code name project game, I mean, all of that is industrial. So it's just kind of what I've always known and what I've always been around. And and I like it. Yeah. 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 And it's, I mean, gosh, it's doing so well right now. <laughs> it is. Especially in the Carolinas. Yeah. yeah. And I like to kind of joke that it's kind of for like the C student, like, because <laughs> we're, we're, we've got a box, right? So we just need to know, like, what does the box need to look like? like the office brokers, there's a lot more nuances with oh, medical yeah. office and office and things like that. And I, of course, and I'm, I'd say that in jest, <laughs> we are very smart in, in industrial real estate. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. So what does a typical day look like for you? Every day is um, different and it's been kind of interesting, especially the past six months because um, our vacancy has been so low that we haven't really even had buildings to actually show and they've mm-hmm. been pre-leasing so wow. quickly. So um I haven't had to really show many buildings over the past year, but typically there's, um, you know, there's a tour involved somewhere, um, usually along the 85 corridor out in Spartanburg. That's where mm-hmm. the bulk of our market is, um, sort of that Greenville, Spartanburg County line. Mm-hmm. So it's tours. And then, you know, you want to make sure that you understand exactly sort of what's going on in the market. So it's a lot of drive-bys, looking at 
other competitive product coming up. And then also if from a tenant rep perspective, you want to make sure that you understand exactly what is coming and what stage it's in. Because if you're working with somebody who needs to be in a building in six months and you've got a flyer that says that a building was going to be ready in six months, but then you drive by it and they haven't even you know started mm-hmm. pouring the slab yet, it probably is not going to work. So right. you probably need to make a phone call and understand exactly what's going on. Yeah. So it's tours. Um, I do try to get into the office a few times a week, um, specifically just to meet with Brian and Elliot. And then if there's any sort of administrative type stuff that you just kind of get done easier from the office, we do that. Lots of lots of time on the phone, lots of just, um, you know, trying to read articles and understand what's coming and who's growing. And yeah, it's just every, every day is totally different, which is one of the things I like about it. Yeah. Are your clients mostly local or you're getting a lot of out-of-state investor clients? On So on the agency side, so I guess just this is basic real estate terminology, like sure. agency representation, and then you have tenant rep representation. We do everything here. We're a small market, like big markets like Atlanta, Inland Empire. You typically see guys that only do tenant rep or only do agency oh, wow. rep. So they niche down even further. Yes, they niche wow. down even further. Yeah. Um, So here we do it all. So on the agency side, I would say for us, we might have, um, you know, maybe one local owner a year and it's usually kind of somebody random. They're not typically an investor or somebody corporate. They're a user occupier that we're helping. Okay. Um, But all of our developers are from out of town, Charlotte, Atlanta, Chicago, Indianapolis area. Um, Wow. Yeah. So how are you doing business development with these guys that they're out of town? Are they, you know, Googling industrial brokers Greenville? Or are you going to, you know, conferences that they're at or how are you meeting them? All of the above. Okay. Um, so um, typically because Cushman and Wakefield were a top three firm globally. So kind of just by working with that platform, you, you get the call usually for the yeah. interview. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good to, to still network and, and forge those relationships because I still think that's the best way to, to win business because, you know, you've got the corporate flag. Okay. You've proven you have the resources, but do I, do I like you? Do I think I can trust you? Do you sound like, you know, what you're talking about? Right. Are you going to deliver? Those are kind of things that are much better to convey face to face. So, I mean, yeah, conferences or just knowing who owns buildings. We've been very successful, you know, getting on planes, going to see folks in New York or Boston or getting in the car, going down to Atlanta, Atlanta and Charlotte are easy wow. drives. Yeah. Um, just understanding who the ownership is and sort of what's important to them. Okay. We've won a lot of business that way. Do you find that with your previous experience with business development that it was an easy transition to talk to these clients or, you know, prospective clients? I think so. I yeah. mean, certainly it helps to be, you know, an outgoing extrovert in real yeah. estate, which <laughs> is, you know, I'm classic both of those. So, um, it gives me energy to go and, and talk to people. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it's can't relate. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> some, 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 I have to, it's like a very specific group of people that give me energy, but that is helpful. I feel like for the selling side. Yes. Yeah. It does take a certain kind of personality because from what I'm told, at least from some of our clients who do business in other parts of the country, the Greenville Carolinas brokers specifically were some of the most fun, easygoing brokers on really? the broker spectrum. That's cool. You get a lot of egos and some of the bigger metros, yeah. as I'm sure you can you see that. imagine. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Especially if you're very niche and can go down. Do you have to worry about going? So I, I know that I was talking with someone a couple months ago and they were like, big companies are going not only to like a Greenville Spartanburg, but even like lower than that. They're like easily Pilsner. Are you needing to go out to those areas in order to find spots that you're going to broker as well? Yes. So uh, all of the easy sites are gone. Like everybody, especially with the spec boom that we've seen over the past 18 months, you know, that corridor that I mentioned mm-hmm. right on the Greenville Spartanburg County line, Highway 101, yeah. Highway 290, that's historically been our main and main. But now, I mean, a developer just bought over 200 acres outside of Gaffney. Yeah, there's a million square foot spec building coming out of the ground in Anderson. Um, yeah, I wow. mean, all, all of these smaller cities are if, if you have the infrastructure and utilities to support the project, then you're in play. Yeah. Wow. Like, very much. If you build it, they will come. Yes, kind of exactly. <laughs> so. That is so crazy just to think there's that much spec building. But I mean, I guess like 
with your the vacancy rates and stuff, I mean, it's not a risk. Or yeah, I think we're, it's a very small risk. Our vacancy risk. is 2.2%. And oh my I mean, my, the first probably five to seven years of my real estate career, we were kind of more between six and eight and, and still having really good years from a transaction perspective. And we've just had phenomenal um, leasing and absorption. Yeah. It's just... It's just crazy. To Do you see, see that continuing? I think so. There are a lot of headwinds right now, um, but I don't think Greenville is overbuilt. Um, I was had, having a conversation with a developer last week. Some markets, he was saying he does think they're overbuilt, like Savannah. Mm-hmm. There are 16 mm-hmm. 1 million square foot buildings under construction in Savannah right now, all spec. Mm-hmm. And he was like, and I don't want to be the 17th. Yeah. Coming out of the ground. Yeah. Like, that's just a lot. I mean, they're um, obviously the port is driving a ton of demand there from the distribution perspective. Um, but they're a smaller industrial market compared to us. They probably only have about a third of our square footage. Oh. Um, mm. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So is the the market, one more last market question, then we can move on, but <laughs> I'm just so interested by this. So is it mostly manufacturing related, um, you know, occupiers, or is it a little bit of everything? So historically, our market has been, part, that's part of the reason why we have a really healthy industrial market. We have about 50% manufacturing, and then it's about 50% warehouse distribution. Okay. Because the manufacturing drives the demand for the mm-hmm. warehousers and the distributors, and then Typically, if there's one warehouse or distributor there, another one sees it and is like, oh, well, maybe we should be in Greenville. So it's kind of like a, you don't want to be the first one to the party, but sure, if there's a party going on, you want to go usually. Yeah. You don't want to be the last either. Interesting. Um, so what would you say is the most challenging part of your job and the most rewarding part of your job? I mean, the most challenging is it's kind of the same. I mean, you, you get to eat what you hunt and kill. So mm-hmm. it's really... It's sometimes daunting, like especially like I've never really gone through a recession as a broker. So I'm starting to get a little bit nervous just because, you know, all signs point to, right. yes, we're headed there. So I'm a little bit nervous about what the next couple years might look like. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, you know, I can't imagine a more magical industry where you can literally step into it and, you know, double, triple your salary over a span of a couple years and... Mm-hmm. You know, you can, it's, it's one of the few things where you can just exponentially, you know, have no ceiling for, for your income. Cause yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, that's why we're all here is that's right. Make money. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Right. It's high risk, higher risk, high risk, high reward. High reward. Yeah. So yeah. it makes sense in that way. Yeah. Is there anything that you feel like you can do to kind of prepare for the recession or any kind of just edging? Probably not going to buy a new car this year. Probably not going to, um, you know, buy any elaborate purchases. Just kind of waiting to yeah. keep come your out return the other tour side. in the yeah. piles. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. That's funny. We, we were having the same conversation at our house uh, last week. It's just like, I don't know what's coming. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's that bad here. Like, it just yeah. seems like there's still a lot of demand, a lot of people moving here. But I was like, I just want to have a little bit more cash on hand for next year just to, yes. just to be safe. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. One of the we were at a, a Cushman Industrial Conference a couple of weeks ago, and somebody made the comment like, "If you don't watch the news or read anything, the market feels the same. Like yes. leases are still happening, it still feels seeing really good higher. activity. Yeah, but um, you know, with the exception of the capital markets perspective, I mean, they're just kind of a mess right now, waiting to see what the Fed is going to do. Um, so we're all kind of on pins and needles, waiting for the next Class A industrial investment sale to happen, just to sort of reset things and hopefully get everybody comfortable and moving again. Yeah, like it's still going. Yeah. Things exactly. like that. So yeah, I mean I guess that's I guess that's what you're waiting on. Um just just to clarify for my own brain. So interest rates are rising, you know, I guess in the investor people that are developing industrial properties, they they're not doing that as frequent or is that that's what you're saying, that's what you're waiting on. But like maybe the owner occupied stuff is still going because that's at a different interest rate. what's the what's the effect of the interest rates on yeah, the environment so right it, now? It just affects their under underwriting process. So every developer when you build a building, you typically develop to an exit. Mm-hmm. Um, just so you can kind of understand what your return is going to be. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so as cap rates and interest rates are moving up and down 
the return of that specific building, you know, goes in kind. Mm -hmm. And so especially if somebody's buying that building from the developer as an investor, they need to be able to understand how they can, you know, make money with this building in the long term. If there's, you know, what what is the tenant currently paying in rent? What where is the rent going to go? How does my financing affect the building? And right now everybody's just been so nervous with these rate hikes that they can't write an equation. Yeah. They can't guess it like they were. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're just still continuing to go up and they don't know where that's going to fall. Right. And okay. so it, it's when it was a study, I mean, it's one thing to just expect, you know, typical rate hikes occasionally, but to see, sure. you know, two, three, four in a year, mm-hmm. folks yeah. just get a little nervous, especially um, some of the bigger like REITs who own properties here. Yeah. They're, they're bored. Just we'll shut them down and say, just wait till January. We'll see where we are in January. Right. Right. So are you seeing the people still absorbing for the time being that higher rate? They're still like, yeah, okay, we can act at this rate. And they're they're continuing on or are they? Tenants, yes. Them? They're still, okay. I mean, we haven't seen any deals not happen because they've said it's just too expensive. We okay. can't do it. Right. I think everybody's kind of just accepted it as where we are. Um, and because part of what's driving the rate increase, it's not just the the exit that the developers have to see on their end it's also the construction costs yes and we're going to see that big time in the next wave of stuff that's going to start delivering about a year from now i mean the what it costs to build if you were to pull the trigger on a building today versus if you pulled the trigger mm-hmm. a year ago that's mm-hmm. a huge delta yeah and so they've got to they've got to hit their numbers yeah right. absolutely so i feel like you'd still see the demand on the tenant side if they want space but developers are a little more like well if i don't need to build something exactly right now, yeah I'm and but good. then it's like that's going to domino as well because if we hit the pause bunk- right. button on building supply and demand mm-hmm. whoever does actually build they're going to have a bigger you know bigger group of folks that want those buildings right. so they're going to be able to so yeah, if everyone would just keep spending money we yeah, push right through the recession <laughs> like Yes. Keep it moving. We are a consumer yeah. economy. Just keep buying. That's true. Uh, that's the problem I, is when you have to borrow the money, and that's what makes it expensive. That's the only downside. That's true. But I was on, I was in a bunch of sessions about cryptocurrency and how pretty soon we'll have a decentralized oh financial economy and we won't even worry about like the Fed and Do interest Do you know rates. anything about that? That is like way over my head. I don't understand it. I know yeah. they, that we have a Bitcoin project here in Spartanburg now. And they use a ton of power. Yep. The data um, mining is, mining. Yeah. The data yeah. mining is the, the part that is a lot of power. And then, so from an accounting perspective, the Financial Accounting Standards Board just put out new regulation. They finally, like, made a decision yeah. on how people should put it on their books. And it's going to be a fair value instead of the super crazy convoluted equation that you used to have to do. So there's some level where people think, Like it's happening more and more often, even if you're not like they call it crypto native, which is you mine, data mine or whatever. Mm -hmm. People are going to have cryptocurrency on their balance sheet. Like I actually went to a special one for nonprofits because they said you're going to start getting donations. In fact, there was like a crazy number, like $330 billion in donations was made in cryptocurrency last year. Wow. So anyways, that's fascinating. But again, like yeah. I feel like the data mining stuff is going to be more in that. It's just giant warehouse yeah. stuff and it, the power it has to have. When we were out in Las Vegas for a crew, they were talking about it, how mm-hmm. they were trying to put data mining centers with like big solar panels around them to try and like cancel out the, eco- yeah. like the basically a global warming effect of yeah. all the energy. So anyways, I forget where I was going with that. But no, we need it. We need a whole presentation on crypto. And I know <sighs> we talked about it a couple times. I do think it's now getting definitely more because it's like blockchain and crypto. You're talking like smart contracts could be a thing where there's no um, it's like built into the contract. When this happens, then the money will be wired to your account. Yeah, maybe that's an, a next crew program. You know, yeah. we can <laughs> relay the. Because, I mean, really, I don't know anything about that. And I've tried to understand a little bit. It's just, like, way over my head. So I don't touch or invest with, like, anything that I don't right. understand. Same. Right. So I just stay away from it. But it is becoming I think it's going to be huge. Some people have just crushed it. Stable. So. I know. Right. We could do that. Right. I know. I do think you're going to find, though, so, like, the big ones, which are Bitcoin and Ethereum, are stabilizing. They're still higher risk than, like, a bond, but it's all the new Bitcoin and cryptocurrency that's coming into the market where people are trying to like create their own version of it that you're going to see either 
big win or a big crash. Yeah. But the idea is eventually, um, like, say I need a loan and I don't want to go to the bank, but Chesley wants to give somebody a loan. She could, like, I could just go to her and get a loan from her in crypto or Bitcoin or 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 whatever, whatever you wanted. And then... The transaction happens that way, and people are confirming it. And okay, but without getting too far down the rabbit hole, what's the <laughs> point of like I could give you a loan now, but in dollars? Like, what's the difference? You could, but because I think I'm I'm armchair expert <laughs> right here. Like, I have no real clue. The idea is that um, you have no way to confirm that I like need to pay you the money. Like when you put it into the blockchain. It helps confirm like each point of the way. It's like you set up the payment plan or you set up whatever. And it's like directly connected to my account. So like I have to pay you okay. every time. So it's it's like mm-hmm. the guarantee of it in a way. But you're guaranteeing it outside of the normal bounds of I went to a bank. I got a loan. And promissory notes yes, and, exactly. and things that go to attorney's <laughs> offices and then are recorded. Well, I think there's still going to be that. It's just going to be digital. Anyways, okay, we, we need help. We need help. <laughs> so anyways, um, <laughs> Tangent. what's in store for you over the next five to 10 years with or without a recession? <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we're How just, much crypto are you going to Yeah, I, I'm, Well, I'm going to get into crypto. That's, that's I, nice. I um, downloaded a crypto wallet. It's the thing. I was like, I guess I need a wallet. So, um, I think kind of just more of the same. I mean, that's the, the, the other cool thing about this career I could do it till I'm 80. I mean, you could just kind of work at a different click. Not that I will be doing it when I'm 80. I'll be selling condos, you know, <laughs> down in Charleston somewhere or something like that. Yes. Um, but I think we'll just keep clicking along. I, yeah. I anticipate the industrial market here to continue to be very um, healthy. And it's just fun. I mean, we're really at the the industrial brokers. We all get along really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's fun to do to do business with people that you like. And Cushman's been a great company. We're actually just were formally acquired by Cushman a year ago. Um, we're no longer an alliance office. We're just full on Cushman. So it's been really cool over the past year, kind of unpacking the platform now that we're mm-hmm. completely in the mothership and just right. kind of learning what resources, what new resources are out there. So I'd like to see the Cushman office continue to grow and be a part of that and, um, you know, just keep, keep working on our industrial team. You know, I'd love to see for our team to grow, yeah. take on a, a new broker or two kind of over the, over the years, but, um, but we'll yeah. see. Yeah. So is it currently just the three? Just the three mentioned? of us. So, yeah. so no, like no one that you're mentoring from a industrial broker standpoint right. inside. Right. Do you, one, do you have any mentors? Uh, and I know you've talked about a few, but maybe touch on them again. And then have you had any like mentees or people that you've mentored over the past couple of years? I haven't really had um, like a true mentor in the traditional sense of the word. Um, But I have worked for a lot of people who I could always seek for advice. Right. Um, And people who I just admired as professionals, the, the, the the guys that I worked with um, at ECS, other than my, um, other than the man who hired me, my old Sunday school teacher, um, the current president now, his name is Derek Clyburn. He's a black man. And then Raul Peralta is the head of their um, Carolina's business development, and he's Cuban. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool as a, as a female being a minority in an engineering world, seeing these two gentlemen mm-hmm. who are just amazing, intelligent business people. Um, that was really cool to kind of just start my career that way. And then obviously pivoting into real estate and crew connections Meg Scoopmeyer and I were the original delegates for crew when we had no money and <laughs> I was a business development person. So I was like, oh, my company will, you know, they'll pay for my flight in a hotel. And Meg was like, I can do that, too. So we would travel. I think we did it for two or three years. That's awesome. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Say so, no more. <laughs> yeah. So we got to know each other really well. And she's obviously um, a prominent attorney who mm. I expect or mm. I respect just um you know, in her own right. And she's always great to go to a lunch with and kind of tell her, tell her the gossip, tell her, you know, what I'm pissed about. And then we just move on. And <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. We got to go to Pita house with her after we interviewed her on the podcast. Yes, and I'm like, a lot of fun. We got to do it again. Yeah. yeah. Like, we'll invite you to the next one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We love Meg. Yeah. We'll have to remember to bring checks if we go to Pete house. Right. That's <laughs> yeah, true. That's right. Bring your cash. We had to make Meg pay for us and then I've been her. <laughs> and then I've been <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> We did it great. Yeah. Next, we'll be doing it in crypto. Um, <laughs> very true. So in terms of like 
career trajectory, given that you kind of do the same thing, you know, over and over all year long, you know, year after year, do you ever feel like you're not moving like up or how, how do you judge like where you are in your career? That's a, a great question. And it's one like I have two little boys now, so it's kind of like that, but not, not all at once thing, because mm-hmm. that's why it was very important for me to have things like crew to be involved with, because the brokerage side, it's very much, it's all production based. Um, I think they try a little bit to, to make it more of, of a culture, but at the end of the day, you're a commission employee and that's what it's all about. Yeah, it's that's like, the bottom how line. How much did you do this year? Yeah, basically. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Crew has always been really important because it fed that need to to lead and develop professionally and just be kind of engaged and on on that sort of corp, corporate culture side for me. I don't have as much time for that right now just because I have very small kids. I have an 11 month old, well, almost 11. Let me not age him. <laughs> 11 months next week and then oh, a five wow. year old. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. I didn't you. realize you were so, so young. Yeah, I didn't um, either. They keep me pretty busy. Yeah, so that's, sure. so that's, I've kind of stepped back from the networking and professional development to sort of be more mom now, but yeah. I know I can ramp that up right. again when I have a little more time. Absolutely. I guess that's the nice thing too, is that it, you have some consistency and that you know what you need to do in order to get to the goal of whatever dollar amount you need to get right. to or whatever production level so that if you need to cut in some other area, you can in order to have time for family. That's right. But I would imagine too, um, having that work flexibility is just amazing with having, you know, two small kids. Like, it is. Like, yeah, I have to go to a soccer game tonight. So I'm going to, no client meetings today. I'll just go do that. And that's then right. it's not like you're having to clear that with anyone or whatever. You just make your own schedule. Well, that's another reason to work in a team too. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you do want to take a vacation. I mean, that's, yeah. I kind of laugh. The beauty of the real estate is, you're you're never really not working, but you can really not work work from anywhere, if that makes sense. Yes. So like yeah. um it's hard to completely check out just because it's sales and you have these properties that you're um actively ongoing, you know, marketing. But usually yeah. with the exception of, you know, if you're in the depths of a negotiation, you can usually sling it over to somebody else's desk for a week and actually go take a vacation versus if you work alone. Yeah. You're it. So, right, um, right. For sure. It's really good. How, let's talk about negotiation for a minute. How, how do you do that tactfully? Like, I mean, how, (laughs) like, you know, that's a skill um, that, uh, you know, I don't know how many people really have that skill or not, but what do you think about that? Um, I think, well, it's been kind of interesting over the past couple of years because it's been such a landlord market. They're really, kind of joke, you want to feel useless, go be a tenant rep broker right now. Like there's really not a whole lot um, yeah. of negotiating. There's not a whole lot of buying power there. But um, when when we have been in more negotiating scenarios, I like to work in a team. Again, team player here, um, good cop, bad cop. I always joke, it's, I work with 90% men, I would say. Yeah. And it's really hard to be mean to the girl. Oh, so, yeah. um, Fair. you know, yeah. the, the, the treatment that they'll give, you know, my male partners is sometimes different than what I'll get. Or if it needs to be, you know, a staunch line drawn, sometimes it just helps to have, you know, a different voice on the phone. Right. Um, you know, that, that's, that's kind of my negotiation at the end of the day, the deal is what the deal is and it's either going to shake out or it's not. Right. So, um, I kind of try to figure out from my clients, okay, what are your musts? Is it the rate? Is it the term? Is it the, I mean, of course they're going to say everything, sure. but <laughs> when they're really honest with you, yeah, you, you got to kind of flush out exactly yeah. where, where the deal is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you just try to get what you get and then it is what it is, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah, I guess that also takes quite a bit of reading people though, too, to know like who needs the staunch line, who, who needs to have the, the girl go yeah. in to yeah. get That's yeah. right. slightly nicer. That's right. Like who's going to be nicer. Right. Because I've had some where they're like, oh, you? <laughs> well, I'm and like, somebody so or my one of my partners was joking with me. He was like, if we ever have a female broker on the other side, you need to never be the one negotiating. Because women especially, I think he was saying from his experience, when women and women go toe to toe, we really like go at it a little bit. I could see and that. Yeah. It, gets, it gets too too intense. Yeah. Yeah. Necessarily. But the other good thing about negotiating is you need if you're intelligent in what you're speaking about and you're using market data to drive the terms that you're asking for, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to argue. True. 
Yeah. Very good point. So for negotiation, have good facts. Yeah. Yeah. Good facts. Just come prepared. Understand the assignment. I just feel like it's important. I can, I just not a good negotiator. Maybe I get nervous or something like that. That could be it. You feel like it's like you want to have a script. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Well, we'll do a podcast on negotiating. We'll just have someone come across and we'll have to negotiate. (laughs) I read that book. um, It's like never meet in the middle or something like that. Um, I'll have, to, I'll have to look it up. But anyway, I read this whole book on negotiating and it made like zero sense to me. I'm like, mm. wait a minute. What does he say? Like, how? my boss is always about like the give and take. Like if we send a proposal to a client and they're like, well, I wanted it at this price. We're like, that's amazing. We will take out this service and this service in order to get to that price. And like, well, but actually I really needed that. And we're like, okay, well then how much is that worth yeah. to you? And yeah. it's this whole like, and if they're like, well, I want it discounted. We're like, well, will you sign in order to get our closing in this month? Well, that's later today. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. close today. Yeah. So, and there's so many things that really are because ne- I was like, I do that, yeah. you know, almost every day with. Proposals. So you negotiate, so, yeah, all day. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So, what uh, advice do you have for someone that's interested in commercial real estate? Um, the first advice might seem basic, but pick where you want to live, like for good. It doesn't make sense to start developing your career in real estate in Greenville and then, but you know, you're going to, you really want to live in Charlotte long-term. So you're yeah. going to move. Yeah. Cause that's your value, right? I mean, anybody mm-hmm. can transact and run a project. I shouldn't say anybody, but that's the easy part. The, the hard part is, and where your value is, is, is your information and your market relationships and your data. So pick where you want to be yep. and then pick what you want to specialize in. Cause as I kind of mentioned before tenants and um, developers, they want somebody who, who does this as their day-to-day, they're experts. That's why mm-hmm. they're hiring you. And then get on a team if you can. Yeah. It's um, it's always better just to have somebody to help take care of you while you're getting into it. And then um, you just learn a lot more. And I think yeah. it's just a good recipe for success. Do you find that there's different like skills or talents that people need to have if they're going to go into one industry versus another? I don't think so. I think... Um, I would look for balance within your team though. Like, um, you know, maybe somebody who's more skilled on the finance side Mm -hmm. and then you have, you know, your personality, your relationship person, and then you have your organizer, your marketing person, because it's not everybody needs to have all of those skills, but someone needs to. And I think it's nice to be able to kind of lean on you know, maybe where you're not as strong or where you're stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Which means you have to kind of know where you're strong. Mm-hmm. But when do you think in your career, did you figure out like, oh, actually, like I definitely lean more towards this or this is my strength that I bring to a team. Was that something that you felt like you knew in ECS or is that something you kind of built as you got into this new team? I think I kind of found it naturally. Um, we, we three sort of balance each other out. Um, I'm kind of like, the manager, the the organizer, the let's sit down and talk about it and strategize and plan and then let's go do these things. And then Elliot is really the the talker, the negotiator. Um, and then Brian's kind of more of like the deal guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also sort of our senior lead. So he's kind of good at just when when you need to be sort of pulled back to the center and mm-hmm. focused. He'll, he'll do that. And I need that sometimes, I think, because I just kind of get down going on my um, my big idea. I go elephant hunting and you got to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Sure. So if, if someone was going to get into commercial real estate, are there ways to look at all the different sectors to make a decision about which one to go? And like, you know, does one generally make more money than the other? Does one have better hours than the other? You know, is there any like little specifics like that in the industry? I don't, I don't think so. I think okay. it depends market to market and then, you know, broker to broker, just depending on just yeah. The, yeah. the dynamics of it all and how, how you guys want to work. I mean, we work at a part of the reason, we, another reason we work in a team is we all work at a similar pace and work-life balance is very mm-hmm. important to all of us. But I mean, if we wanted to all start working 50 to 60 hours a week and really grinding it out, we probably could make more money, but that's, yeah, not, just not where you are right now. Yeah, we don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah cost benefit. Definitely. Which makes sense. It sounds like, too, you kind of have to figure out where your connections are and see where there's needs, and that's a way to pick yeah, which market a, you head into. Yeah. 
it's hard to just be like, I, I would think it would be hard to just like come out of college and be like, I decided that I want to be uh, this type of broker in this type of industry. Yeah. Hire me. I would think my attitude out of college would be more like, um, where can I get a job? Like, is there anybody <laughs> who could actually like pay me a salary to be in brokerage or mm-hmm. to learn? That's probably. Is the industry be. shifting to that for some of the younger generation coming up, like a small salary and then like a little bit of commission on top of that to help them get going? Or are they just still coming out 100% commission? I think it depends on the what your brokerage office. They're mm-hmm. probably all structured a little bit differently. Um, or if you get on a team. I mean, if you get on an established team, you know, sometimes you're just going to, they're going to say, okay, you're going to make 20% of whatever we make. And your team could be making, I don't know, I'll use a a million dollars or something mm-hmm. like that. So that's a hell of a starting salary. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, to, but yeah, you never know. Interesting. Should I be a broker? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I like, mm, my next career. <laughs> so what's the best advice that you've received? Um, okay, so I'll, I'll throw their, their like one-liner um, quotes. And one of them I heard from Nancy Whitworth at a crew luncheon probably 10 years ago. And she said, there can only be one ego in the room and it better not be yours. And then another one, my friend, um, her husband was a police officer when they first got married. He's an attorney now. But back then I asked him if he'd ever had to pull his gun on anyone. And he was like, well, no, because I I know that the only thing I can ever control is my actions. And if I pull a gun, it's going to escalate things. And I don't ever want to do that. So I've always Mm -hmm. ever been I've always been able to just stay in control of myself and what I say and de-escalate situations that way. So I think that's good life skill too. That is, yeah. The only thing you can ever control is yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I like the ego one. Yeah, I'm thinking of like three situations where I'm like, you were the ego in there. <laughs> check yourself. Yeah, yeah. I better check myself. Yeah. So no, those those are both really good. I really like that. Yeah. So, are we ready for a rapid fire? I think so. Oh, gosh. Are you ready for the rapid fire? Right. They're easy. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. What do you like to do for fun? Well, when I have any time, um, I love to go sing karaoke with my girlfriends. What? And drink um, lots of Miller Lite. <laughs> and then... Um, <laughs> that specific brand? Yes. Okay. Because usually by the time we're ready to sing karaoke, that's the only thing I'm able to okay. um, yeah. drink at that point. <laughs> yep. So karaoke and then hosting dinners for friends. Um, I would say travel, but I have small children, so that's really not a pleasure anymore. <laughs> yeah. If we can get away for a couple of days, we'll like to do that. Yeah. But um, yeah. mostly just being with people. Yeah. What's your karaoke song? I'm sure you have one. I have like a whole a note in my phone dedicated to it. Oh, my um, gosh. I really like to read the room. And well, see yeah, because you got to see. Like, like, is it a Dixie Chick crowd? Is mm-hmm. it, um, mm-hmm. you know, are we doing Lady Gaga? Oh my gosh, you are an extrovert. Oh yeah, oh yeah. (laughs) We were at the conference, they rented out the Universal City Walk and there's the karaoke bar in there, but you get like a whole band and backup (gasps) singers and dancers. Oh, It's legit. I was like, if I was going to do karaoke. Yeah, they're (laughs) back there and there's a guy who will sing with you and in like the long, you know, there's always like one long guitar solo where they're like, guitar solo for 16 bars. He will come out and like dance with you. So you feel like you're never alone. So it was a really fun karaoke That would make bar. you feel like you're a rock star. Yes. Yeah. Like it you was, have a whole band behind you. It was super great. I'm actually getting a little bit of a reputation for it too, because if there's ha- like, you know, these corp, these dinners, they come out and uh-huh. then a couple of times we've staggered into a karaoke bar, you know, after eating dinner at halls or something like that. Yeah. And it's just kind of funny because it's not, um, not what you expect to do when you come to Greenville and have dinner no, with a no. broker. Is she going to drag you out and say karaoke? Okay, so. where are the karaoke bars? I don't. Okay, so I don't really know. I haven't done it. Um, on the Rocks used to have it. That's right. Yeah, that's and right. And then um, Smiley's Sharkies has it. Sharkies. I know okay. Smiley's does open mic night, they which is a little mic. more legit than what I'm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The vibe I'm going. You hear you bringing an instrument to open mic night, and it's not just your voice. Yeah. There's a bar on um, like the the Parkway or it's like Parkside or Parkway or something like that that does it too, like up near Pelham Road area. Yes, and then if we go out on Saturdays, we've gone to Hall of Fame on okay. Wade Hampton, yes. which is yes. hilarious. I've never been in that place. Is but that the one they used to be like you had to be like a member there to get in? I don't know, but I think I'm they definitely might have, not a member. No, I think they might have done away with it. Or the lady that told me about it was super drunk. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> she's like, just say my name. I, I'm a member there. I was like, I, I don't want to go. You have a bar that has like a membership. It allows you to be open past a certain time. So like, that's why oh. they do it. There's like these that's a like. really fun fact. Yeah. yeah okay. It's funny. Pulse. Yeah. The, I mentioned that I'm getting a reputation. Here's my other like advice and slogan that I like. It's from RuPaul. It's like, know who you are and deliver 100% at all times. Yes. So, I love that. The karaoke broker. <laughs> That's the karaoke broker. <laughs> Please put it on your business card, like as a subline. <laughs> I will. Cool. Yeah, like, and people could, rec- like, I would love it if people had to try and think of, like, your top, like, one in your of your top five karaoke songs. Be like, look at me and tell me, like, what you think one of my top five songs Yeah, would Man, be. think we about can, the branding you We can go out and play, we, used to, we call it karaoke roulette. Like, you just okay, sing whatever yeah. I play for you. Like, you don't know what's coming. Oh, and then my all of goodness. A sudden, yeah. She's an See, buyer. I'm seeing people will come from out of town just to like have you as their broker and then go karaoke. Like this yeah. is a whole thing. It's a thing. Yeah. Yep. Oh my goodness. Okay. Our rapid fire is not very rapid, but I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Where is your favorite place to travel pre-kids? We'll say that. Oh gosh. Um, New York City. Really? That's, That's a classic. World. Yeah. Yep. And I've been, I've backpacked all over Europe and I just always go you back to New York. New York. Yep. Are you going to take your kids there eventually? Yes. Okay. Eventually. I have two boys, so it's up to me to culture them. So we'll be doing Broadway and all yeah. of the yeah, all of the things. That'll Very be fun. Cool. Favorite book or podcast? Um, favorite books, kind of nerdy. I like all the Harry Potter books. It's uh, not even nerdy. That's so mainstream now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basics. <Sorry. laughs> What's nerdy is the account I knew that read it in German. <laughs> but no, Harry Potter's a great book. <laughs> Theories. Oh yeah. my gosh, I'm dying. <laughs> I mean, it is mainstream now. Yeah, it is. Find yeah. someone who hasn't read Harry Potter. I haven't read it. I, I haven't even it. seen all the movies. I take it. Oh back. my gosh. I know. I read them all in a week one summer. What? I was. Yeah, like, I've like reread some of them. They're just yeah, so good. And even if you've seen the movies, the books are. I mean, it doesn't better. matter. Like, yeah, the books are just. They're just quality. I mean, she really was a smart writer. Now she's. You know, we won't talk about J.K. Rowling, but. Like, the books are great. Okay. And well, someday Hudson is going to be like, Mom, I want to read Harry Potter. And you're like, I well, we have a collection. It. I don't know how many there are now, but I think I have a collection of like one through four, one through five at home. We just, okay. I just haven't read Well, there's them. seven total. Okay. It well, is a finite series. <laughs> well, that helps. It is done. That it's helps. been done since like 2009. Yeah. No, I know. I know. I know. So, I, just I just remember when the last one came out and I was like, what are we going to do now? Like, what do we have to I look know. forward to now? Every yeah. Christmas it was like, let's go. I also liked going to the theaters to see the movies Mm -hmm. and saw the last one. My friend traveled from California to Kansas City to watch the last one with me. Oh, my God. Because we had watched them in college. We'd done, like, a marathon one Thanksgiving where we were just, like, in a cave for, like, movies one through six. Like, we just, like, did not come out of the house. And all of a sudden, we're like, what time is it? (laughs) (laughs) But that's an experience you have to have, Chesley. Yeah, I guess so. I'm going to need you to probably plan that for me. Yeah, I'll do that. Okay, perfect. Um, okay, last one. Or no. Second, second last. last. Uh, what is your favorite TV show that you're binge watching? We're, so we're watching the, what is it? The Heart of the, the, the Dragon one. The Game of the Thrones. Oh, the second oh, version yeah, of it. Yeah. House, House, House of the Dragon. Dragon. I almost yeah. said The Heart of the Dragon. but Yeah. Um, that sounds cooler, actually. Yeah, the Heart of the Dragon. So what's better, that or Harry Potter? Oh, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Okay. I've heard. I haven't. So I watched all of Game of Thrones, but I haven't seen The House of Dragon. It's okay. It's a little like, all right, we're really milking this at this point in time. Yeah. Same with um, The Rings of Power, yes. the prequel to The yes. Lord of the Rings. We're so watch, watching that too. I've been watching that. And that was so slow until the one we they just had. Okay. I, I'm, I think it's I'm like, like seven two. episodes in. I kept falling asleep or forgetting what would happen. Yes. And then finally, I was like, finally, a good episode. All right. right. I was on episode five. People kept asking me. I was like, I have to have to separate it from Lord of the Rings. It's like a fan fiction of Lord of the Rings. Yes. And... You don't really, apparently they don't have access to all the material or something. I have nerdier friends that were talking about it and they're like, yeah, they can't get access to all the rights to all the, like there's certain names that they just can't say because they don't oh, have rights. Oh, so they have, funny. They have to like explain around it. So it's kind of hard to follow sometimes, I feel. Yeah. I saw a really funny meme and it applies to both of those shows. It's like, I can't be a spoiler for either of these shows because I have no idea what anyone's name is. <laughs> It's so I really true. don't. I it's literally so couldn't name one, one character in any of them. Someone was like, what's that main elf? I was like, I have no idea. No that idea. was the toughest thing about Game of Thrones when it was starting. There's so many characters and it's like getting them all like yes. committed to memory and who, right. who's related to who. There's and, too many C names and you're talking about some person and then they're like, oh, they didn't do that. You're like, oh, I'm thinking of someone completely yeah. different. Yeah. 
So, all right. And then the actual final question. What is your favorite restaurant in Greenville and what do you like to get there? In Greenville... Well, my favorite thing to do in Greenville is appetizer call versus just going and eating dinner. So yeah, yeah. I like to start at Halls and have a big martini and then a seafood tower. And then I like to have um, dinner at Gianna's. Ooh. And if we're still going, a nightcap at Vault Vader. Okay, nice. That's a really great little crawl. Yeah. yeah. I, I love Walton Bader and Gianna. And I've been to Halls a couple of times, but it feels like it's not on my regular list. That's, that's, like not, the, that's my favorite, like, martinis. Because I always have live music, and it's yeah, just kind of like... Yeah, a cool vibe. But, like... Are you a gin or vodka martini? Vodka. And is it dirty? Or? Slightly dirty. And okay. don't even ask me if there's blue cheese in the olives, because, duh, there's blue cheese in the <laughs> olives. <laughs> we always love a dirty vodka martini <laughs> with blue cheese olives. It's just a classic. Yeah, it is. Best one I ever had was in Nashville, though. mm it was amazing. I can't even remember what restaurant. What I made was it at. so amazing? I don't know. One, it was just like very smooth, and just the right level of saltiness. Okay, because you there's somewhere. I would like, say slightly dirty. Yeah, because it's like they can a, like really really dump yeah. the olive yeah. brine in there. You're like, am I drinking olive brine or vodka? And then the blue cheese olives were like the giant ones, and they're just perfect. It's like a snack too. Yeah, that's so <laughs> nice, I, and it tastes so much better when you're eating the olives with the martini. I All right, think. know what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so Harry Potter book club and yeah, vodka martinis. Yes, I love it. Okay, slightly dirty. <laughs> well, you'll be, you can be bartender. You're oh, like that's true. Yeah, I you're expert bartend. bartender. Oh, yeah. And I've been brining my own olives. Oh God! <laughs> in dry vermouth, so I can. Have. She's really serious about like that bartending skills. Yeah, she's very yeah. good. So, um, yeah. so yeah, we. I Little known fact. I need to get the blue cheese olives, but I've been. They say like. You can brine the olives with the dry vermouth. So instead of doing vodka dry vermouth and an olive juice, you can just do the one. And That's how I know my husband loves me because he doesn't like olives or blue cheese, but he will stuff my olives for me with That's blue cheese. Amazing. And those are like the smelly. I mean, you yes, yeah. get a really good blue cheese. He'll do it for yeah. me. Oh, That's love. love language. Yes. <laughs> Acts of service. Words of affirmation. <laughs> nah. It's Just number six. Blue cheese olives. Please. Yeah. yeah exactly. It's number six of the love language. Yeah, it's sure. right. Stuffing blue olives. Yeah. <laughs> Stuffing I olives with blue cheese. That. Yeah. All anyway. right. Well, thanks again for chatting with us. It's been a lot of fun and getting to know you better. Um, and yeah, we really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I can't wait for Harry Potter Book yeah, Club. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Enjoyed it. The Candidly Crew podcast is sponsored by Truist. Truist is proud to be the 2022 Marble Sponsor for Crew Upstate and the sponsor of this podcast series. Truist teammates are driven by a common purpose, to inspire and build better lives and communities. They strive every day to make things better for their clients, teammates, and stakeholders. Truist envisions a world with equal access to economic opportunities. Truist proudly supports the mission of Crew, to transform the commercial real estate industry by advancing women globally. Crew Upstate's truest contact is Michelle Dodge, SVP. She can be reached at michelle.dodge at truest.com.